Hey, Warriors. Welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope your week has been great and mine's been pretty decent. Um, we have not found a house yet. Um, we're actually really considering because we did find an apartment that we can rent up there that's actually right next to the coffee shop, which would be pretty cool. Um, it may not be what we wanted, but I also don't want to be forcing us to get a house that we're not willing to do or jump on and the one house that we kind of got excited a little bit for um inspection was a little bit like a lot of problems and so we don't see that all being solved and we can see that being more of a problem so if you can pray for us this week specifically that we make the right choice either to continue to look for homes or just go for this rental I'm kind of excited in some sense for the rental only because it allows us to be up there. But at the same time, I want to make sure it's not because it's me and my wife wanting it, but that's God. So that is something that we really do want to pray about. Um, anyway, so today is Memorial Day. Uh, today is about remembering those that served and died on behalf of the United States. And... It got me to really think about what or how I could actually talk about remembering. And I had to really think about it for a bit because, you know, we we, we understand the fact that, you know, people who join the military, they serve, they can serve up to four years or they can serve even more, depending how they want. But they fight on behalf of the United States for the freedoms that we still have, the Constitution, the laws, and for the citizens they get to live here families they love and for this choice sometimes they have to give their life but sadly we do have a problem today sadly we see how the flag itself is being treated like a terrorist flag and we get to see how people don't see america as we once did not even that long ago like 20 years or less ago we don't have that same respect for the history that we have. We don't have the same respect for the men and women who served all these years and died. It's, it's really scary to see that because America is starting to be washed out and retransformed into a new perspective of what that looks like. And the one thing that's also being messed with is history. Because if you guys know that famous quote from George Santayana, he said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And if you're erasing the past to redo it, to redesign it, then what's going to happen? We're going to forget. So it made me start thinking about where in scripture can we actually talk about what happens when you forget? And the one thing that came to my mind was Israel, specifically in Judges, because we do know even during the Kings, but specifically during Judges, we know that there is a common theme that just goes on through it. You know, America at one point was a nation considered to be a Christian nation. I don't necessarily would say that it was founded as a Christian nation, but 
the idea is that the Puritans and the many other different Christian groups moved to the United States to find the freedoms that they wanted to be able to have religious freedom. And if you know your history, you know that the Anglican Church made it very difficult for anybody in England. The Catholic Church made it very difficult everywhere for Protestant churches to thrive. And this was after the Reformation. So we get to watch as all these different groups move over to the United States and they join these colonies and build their churches and cities and towns. And we get to see the thriving of the colonies as time is gone. And then we get to see the fact that the, many of the forefathers, even though many liberal teachings keep trying to say that they're all deists because they don't want the idea that God was important or Christianity was important at all in the United States, that's not 100% true. I do think some might be, but the majority were not deists. And the idea is that they put God first in all their, their, their decisions, the way they lived, the way they presented themselves and how they treated people. And yes, we could talk about slavery, we could talk about all that, but that's not the point at this time. What I'm trying to get to is that the design and choices they made for the government was to bring in a biblical perspective inside the teaching of that because they saw what happened in Europe with the Catholic Church, they saw what happened with the Anglican Church, and they saw how people were getting treated. And they wanted to give people a chance if they were to come to the colonies to have an opportunity to do you know, the religious value that they were trying to present. And so when they created eventually the constitution, the idea was not to say that only Christianity would be the only religion, but though at that time they had no idea that other immigrants would want to move to the colonies or the United States. And they had no idea that they'd be bringing the religions and it would be accepted. Okay. It wasn't a surprise that we turn into that because technically, as I said, we're not really a Christian nation, but we were founded by Christian churches and groups. So that being said, going back to Israel, there's a commonality in the, in the imagery that I was kind of wanting to get into a little bit is that if we look at our history and we see when God started getting removed, we saw a change in the culture. And in Israel's case, what fascinated me is that Israel get, you know, either taken for their sins or they're, you know, they're in the beginning, cause it was uh, Joshua that came in first. They had to destroy all the other nations and basically take hold of the promised land that they were given. Right. And so the idea was, you see the judge, they follow God, they obey God, they love God, they live for God, judge dies, suddenly they fall away, fall back into the world, and then another judge comes up, they start falling back to God, they love God, they serve God, they love, you know, it's like there's this commonality of imagery that we keep seeing happening. And so now we sit there and we kind of look and go, okay... So what is really going on? So here in Judges, I just wanted to share how many times I didn't go through all of them, but I just wanted to share a few of them. Like Judges 3, there is two judges there. One is Othniel, and it says in verse 7, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. 
Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and sold them into the hand of Kushan Rishtatham, the king of Mesopotamia. Go down to verse 12. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, mind you, Judge dies, happens again. We go to, to Judges 4, verse, is 4, verse 1. This is the story of Deborah and Barak. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord said to, or sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Go to Judges 6. And we go all the way to see verses 1. 6 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years in the hand of Midian over Potter Israel and because Midian the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and caves and the strongholds and then you go to Judges 8 and I'm not going to go through all these I just want to show hey there's a theme look this is what happened as soon as Gideon died this is Judges 8:33. the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made Baal Bareth their god so there's a trend. People are excited about following God, and there's kind of like this joy and peace. The judge is like, we got to do this. We got to follow God. We got to obey. And boom, they do it, and they're saved from the the oppression that they're in. And then that judge dies, dies, and boom, they fall right back. And I kept noticing this kind of trend, and I kept thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? You sit there and you 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 want to figure out why in the world is Israel making the same mistake over and over and over again? And this kind of goes back to that concept. You're doomed or condemned to repeat if you forget. And if you notice, one of the things in this story is they forgot God. So we sit here and we have to go back and think about all the stories where we remember that Israel loved God. Things were great. Blessings were there. And boom, they disobey or they start falling into the culture that was gained presented and i started i, I kind of want to sit there and i wanted to go hmm, what does this kind of look like today well today we can actually see that i do honestly think we could see a little bit of probably what israel dealt with because remember there's a time and, and the, the sad part of looking is that we, we kind of picture in our heads that all of that you know the situation of as soon as gideon died the people fell I don't think it was like all the way to Gideon's death. Everything was honky dory because if we could see how today and looking in our culture, we can see how outside culture or current society interacts into the Christian culture that we have here. Do we not? We can see 
how teachings of false theology can come in. We can see how music that's not worship music is getting in. We can see how movies and TV shows and books and the the society that's being taught in schools we can see how all of that is beginning to influence the younger generations and we're not talking last 10 years we're talking decades of change we can see how there was a time where families when a family moved they looked for a church first today they look for schools or best programs for their kids. We can go now and say, oh, like, especially like 2020, people got to go home. And so now they stay at home and just watch church online. We can see older churches declining because they haven't really been that active in impacting or reaching their communities. And now they're old, gray, and slowly dying off. Like, this is something that we can visualize and see with our own eyes, the faltering or falling apart of the good culture that was once following God, now becoming a culture of opinions and ideas and personal wants and following your heart and being emotional and obeying what I want versus God. You go through judges and if you guys wanted to take time, go through judges and see the cycle of up and down in the stories of when judges took leadership and when Israel fell you go through it, you can see that there's a trend. People are bold, obey, and live for God. Until the judge dies, there's a trend. There's a trend. And we're seeing that today. And I want, I want you guys to really think about this before we go to the second half, because the second half is going to be the more important of this discussion. We see that when they obey and they're lively and excited in the beginning, but as time goes, it's gone. Is that, is that really how it's supposed to be? Is it about emotions and feelings? Are we supposed to feel God or feel excited about God? I want you guys to think about that before we go to the second half and I will see you right after. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of our episode. And I purposely left Judges out, uh, Judges 2 out for a purpose, because in the second half, it kind of fits with it. And, this, and my first question is, why do you suppose Israel did not just continue to follow the way of the Lord? Why don't you just continue to follow the way of the Lord? Why do we struggle? Why does it feel like at times that our relationship with God is distant, dull, boring, empty, non-existent? 
So there's something that was quite interesting, because if we go to Judges 2, it says, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you into the, to the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will drive, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words, all the people of Israel uh, to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of the place Bacham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. I want you to really, really think about these verse, it's verses 1 through 5. Okay? There, there is something here that makes sense of why we see it today. The pro same problems. 1. He had told them, and you will make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land, and you shall break down their altars. So here's the key thing. We are now supposed to be, as Christians, sharing the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. We are supposed to be sharing the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. We're supposed to live like Christ, treat others as Christ would want us to treat them. We're supposed to be in unity together as a church. We're supposed to be loving to one another. We're supposed to be helping each other in the good times and the bad times. It's not about looking like a Christian. It's not about keeping our church clean by removing those that are struggling so that way people think there's no problems. That's a lie. You're supposed to be helping your brother and sister in Christ get back on track with God, not kick them out because they're falling off the train. I mean, there is a time because Paul does teach us if they're not willing to change, then we're supposed to tell them to leave. But for a time, not forever, for a time. And if one of your leaders is having a hard time, it does not say remove them and kick them out of the church because we don't want to have a stain in our leadership either. You help them get back on track. And it may not be because they did it, maybe their wife did something. Maybe their kids are disobedient. You help them. You see, this is where we're not supposed to make a covenant in the inhabitants of this land. We act more like the world than we realize we act. And, and like the thing is, I've even told people in my gaming community that sometimes... I don't like having a Christian gaming community because I think non-believer groups are actually, they treat each other better 
than sometimes people in the Christian culture treat each other. And that's sad. That is not a way that it should be. As Christians in our church, we shouldn't have to be running around feeling like I'm going to just be like treated like trash because I made a mistake. We should be, if we're having a hard time struggling, we should be able to come to our church and our church should be able to get behind us, help us to keep accountable. Teach me how to get back on track. Find a man in the church who, who can be by my side and make sure I'm doing okay. Praying for one another, studying together, walking with the Lord together. Have you noticed that there's been a change in that view and how we see people you either have churches who try to keep themselves super clean or you have churches that are just being open to anything because it brings people into the church. And then you have churches that are struggling to even teach because they have this assumption that just because you're a Christian, you should know how to act, how to talk, how to treat people, how to be a man of God, how to be a woman of God, how to live a life that's godly. There's too, too much assumption going on. Too much expectations that aren't being taught and trained anymore. I do think of accountability because <clears throat> what keeps someone from doing something wrong is someone who keeps you accountable. Just like we're supposed to keep the pastors accountable. If they're not teaching biblically, then they shouldn't be able to just teach whatever they want. Someone needs to speak up. They're not anointed where they can't make a mistake. David got confronted by Nathan. You don't need to go and have another pastor have to be the one to do it, but if you need to, do it. See, we live in this culture that is starting to forget God, is starting to forget the Bible, starting to forget how to live properly. <clears throat> and I noticed this when I was growing up because my parents had to learn because I was the oldest, they had to learn what they needed to do as parents for a uh, young adult. Because the teaching in the eighties and even nineties into the two thousands was you hit 18, you go figure it out. Because technically, I gave you all the tools that you were supposed to have to grow up. The schools gave you all the tools that they were supposed to give you to grow up. But in reality, there's two things that weren't going on that needed to be there. One, we created expectations without actually truly teaching. And then two... There's always been <clears throat> mentoring going on by other men. If you go even back to the early 1900s, men had men's societies and groups that they're a part of, which is with other men. And those men, they learned to teach each other things. They were a part of the, the culture or like say the community, but they're also still part of maybe the church that you went to. You see, the involvement that we once had in our community as a church is actually one of the main things that has fallen idle. Well, you know, I do, we do a pantry. Yes, that's not what I'm talking about. 
churches do get involved, but they're not involved like they should be in their communities. And then we also see the expectations. There was a time where a, a man just thought, you know, my son is 18 now. He should just be able to just suddenly, you know, magically grow up. But see, the problem is our inhabitants, our society has been treating our young people as children until they're 18 at the schools. If you notice all the laws and rules all around what's considered a minority or not minority um I forget the word now being under the age of 18 right they don't treat them to grow up so when they hit 18 they aren't like a 15 year old mind trying to figure out how to live that's why we're starting to see that maturity level has been moving up and up and up you know, because now we hear like, oh, well, now most 20 year olds aren't getting married until they're 30. And so they're not having families until their 30s up to their 40s now. And the whole reason is because we have not been training up properly as a society. And now the church is living in the 1970s and how they look at things. And so they're just assuming that, you know... Jim Smith and Jane Smith being 23 had their first kid. They're 23 year olds who understand life and understand how to live life. Or that 30 year old who just finally found his, you know, found his wife to be, they're getting married. They're about to start a family. They're assuming they understand what it means to be a man and a woman of God. They, they assume that they understand what it means to be fathers and mothers. They, they assume that they understand how to grow up. Because I don't know about you, have you noticed that some, I should say, majority of age 18 to 24 act like they're like 12 and 14 year olds? Because I've seen it. Bared witness. And that's why when I was teaching the youth group, I was getting them better prepared to become an adult than what the society was teaching them, let alone what the church was teaching them to be as children until 18. And so when they hit 18, they don't know what to really do. They feel more lost. And the one thing I noticed is when I hit 18, there was no real young adult ministry that understood how to help young men and young women to grow up. So they struggled. And then you kind of start noticing that their relationship with God is struggling. See, the, the, it started to change the Christian culture. There at one time where we, oh, I was say I was pretty excited about being a Christian growing up. After I hit 18, that excitement kind of died off a little bit. Because I felt like I was trying to figure things out more and I had no one who was mentoring me to be more suited or ready. My parents didn't know what to do because they were taught the other way. You hit 18, grow up. And even though I, I was a lot more mature than the majority of guys my age at 18 to 21 range, I still wanted someone to help me kind of grow up and my, my parents tried, but they, they were learning 
because there's nobody teaching because in the church is nobody teaching because the churches aren't teaching how to help parents help young adults grow up and how to help their teenagers to, to gain more responsibility to grow up. And they're not teaching them how to teach them how to grow up in their faith too. So there's a lot of immature Christians that I've been finding that are ages 18 to 25 because they haven't really been, and this is the word, discipled. You see, I think, and this is my only opinion, but looking at how Israel just easily fell off the market after their judge died is because they were counting too much on that one person to lead that they weren't teaching the younger generations that grew up to also be how excited they were about obeying God. They weren't discipling or training them to have that same love. So as they're growing up, they're becoming the new generation growing up. Judge dies. That generation is like, oh, well, look at, look at everything going us, going all around that thorn in the side. The inhabitants, look at what they're doing. Look how cool that looks. Look how interesting that looks. Look how they're living. And so they start adopting views and ideologies that are outside the scriptural truth of the teachings of Moses and the teachings of Joshua, teachings of all these judges, and they're taking every little thing around them and they're starting to fall right back into being in the world. And we're starting to see that more and more in today's culture, our Christian culture. I'm not talking about the world culture, the Christian culture. So the, the, the thing is, what we're seeing is these younger generations now in their 30s and, and 20s, and even my generation, they are more concerned about work, children, events, activities, their spouse, their house, anything that they get in this world more than they are worried about walking with the Lord. And as they start seeing how none of these things are fulfilling they're starting to also realize, Hey, I am missing God. I kind of forgot about that. For, that. I forgot about that part of my life. Sunday school classes and stuff like that. I mean, I, I gotta get my kids back, but now their kids are, you know, in their, in their teens, early teens. And they're starting out late in the teaching because in the beginning it wasn't as important because we weren't teaching them how important it was. My parents taught me how important God was. I will say that. And that's why I stuck to him very, very well in my early 20s. But I've seen many who did not. And I don't necessarily blame the parent. Um, I actually wouldn't say I'd 100% blame parents, but there is some factor. However, I, I blame more of the church's lack of discipleship and teaching kids to grow up because if you remember and recall in the last couple of decades especially youth group was surrounded about fun not teaching which is why when i got a chance to be a youth pastor it was about teaching more than fun because i wanted them to be prepared i wanted them to spend time in god's word i wanted them to pray i wanted them to learn their responsibility as men and young women uh, young men and young women of Christ. God was important now in their walk. 
because one of the things I've noticed in cultural society is they're like, oh, when I grow up, then I'll make God more important. Yeah, I grow up, then I'll start worrying about those things. When I grow up, then I'll start looking for my wife. When I like, it's just this this ideology that's getting thrown there. And that was the same thing I heard from these own people. Well, when once I graduate, then I'll make God important. No, if you don't see this is the thing, if you don't teach them younger the importance of who God is, they will forget. Because you have, and the thing is, they may not forget forever. But I've seen more young people step away from the church, from God, at younger ages, faster than I see most of them even come back. And then now they're being influenced by who? The inhabitants around them. And they're, and they're falling into that ideology. They're falling into these false teachings. They're getting more excited about these new activist mindsets that are getting thrown to them saying, no, Jesus was an activist. Go out there and raise your fist against the government. Go raise your fist for, you know, BLM. Raise your fist for, you know, homosexual movement because that's what they're being taught in society. And they, they want to, they, they're hungry for something. They're hungry for an agenda. This is why the second half is way, 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 way more important to talk about. You see, I do believe this comes from the lack of discipling and teaching. The Christian culture became silent and took for granted, took for granted that every family was teaching truth, led by a godly, solid, godly husband and father that our younger generations were being trained right biblically. Instead, the once strong biblical teaching was forgotten and the exciting new versions took hold because the hunger is there. You see, the older generation stopped teaching the younger generations and just assumed they understood. Because you remember in Titus, he teaches, he, he tells Titus, actually I think it's Titus himself says, but as you teach in according with sound doctrine, see that's the importance of biblical understanding, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children train the younger men to be and to hold to be self-controlled i'm adding young men because that's what that's what that means the older men are supposed to be doing that to be self-controlled pure working at home kind submissive to their own husbands in the word of god not to be rivaled likewise urge the younger men to be self-control See, we're all, all of us are in a process of being in a mentor or mentee situation where we're teaching others how to walk with the Lord and we're supposed to continue that cycle. And I do think that's why we see a problem with Israel falling right back because I bet you they got quiet. They, it wasn't as strong. And as the judge at the time was getting older, it was harder to preach and teach the newer generation because the generation that was supposed to be teaching and training them wasn't doing so and so they were more easily influenced and once again that thorn hits the side and they fall into the world again because now we go to Judges 21 
and this is the last chapter, the last verse, just before I get to talk about Ruth, it says this, verse 25, 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what is right in his own eyes or her eyes. You see, when you forget God, you start looking and chasing after the world. So when we stop remembering our past, stop remembering the teachings that we were taught by the church Sunday school class, if we're not reteaching and taking all that we have learned and passing it along to our, our children, to younger generations, reminding them what is taught in scripture, you get what we're seeing. A lack of understanding of the Bible, a lack of understanding of the stories, a lack of understanding who Jesus is, the lack of understanding of our duty, the lack of understanding of worship, the lack of understanding of going to church and being around other believers. Because it's not as important. So they get, you know, we get to James, and we've used this before, but James 1, go to verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who like intently at his natural face, like staring at a mirror, being told what to do. You ever just stared at a mirror and you're looking at yourself, right? Where he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and the preservers, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, this is what happens when we start just having an expectation or we just assume that people are walking in the way they're supposed to. And this is why my wife and I think out here in Texas, we have a lot of churched people who weren't discipled very well. And we think that's a very important understanding of why we have a problem with people noticing the lies or not, not noticing the lies, not noticing the progressive movement, not noticing the new thought getting thrown into the teaching because they aren't learned and in, in this and understanding of disciple, you know, discipling. We're also not seeing, we're, you know, we're starting to see young people not wanting God. I mean, I do see, and I've met a couple in Hillsborough of young people that <clears throat> they're walking with the Lord and they want to, but they also realize after they're done with high school, there's really not anything strong teaching them to continue that walk because they've noticed it's not in the church that they go to. So the deception is very real. And if we forget our past, we will lose the future Christian generations and there'll be a lot less people who will be walking with the truth. And we're starting to see that more and more at the same time. We're also starting to see God move churches to teach more and more. All comes down to understanding the importance of not forgetting our teachings not forgetting what we've been taught, not forgetting to spend time in God's word, not forgetting to pray, not forgetting to actually take what we are hearing and living it, doing it, and then teaching others. Because yes, it could start with you teaching your kids, but the missing element is also teaching other men. Ladies, same thing, teaching other ladies. 
because I'm seeing many, both men and women, who are easily being influenced by spiritualisms and new age type teachings that are encouraging new thought in the way they live, thinking they found something amazingly new, but are starting to kind of walk away from the biblical truth instead of living by it. Because these new ways make you feel amazing. Make you feel like you're a part of something. And this is why that answers the question, are we supposed to feel God? No. Do you? Yes. But if you don't feel him, that doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean that you're not spiritual enough. You see, the feeling thing is a new age spiritualist teaching a universalist teaching, a world teaching, an inhabitant's teaching. God is with you. He said in his scriptures, and the only way you could do that is by studying and reading and knowing and memorizing and praying and being with other believers. Iron sharpens iron. Accountability is given at the same time. But we need to start seeing more discipling from the church perspective. You need to see it from the men in the church being wanting, wanting to go and teach other men how to walk with the Lord, how to live a life that's godly, how to have integrity, how to have a character that is godly and respected and upright. It's a missing thing. It's, it's part of that chivalry thing I was kind of talking about last week. It's a missing element and why we have such a broken Christian culture with men so confused and women so confused, trying to find the answers, hungry for something more. Because we've allowed the deception to be their guide. Because we just assume that you're a Christian, that you're walking with the Lord. Something to think about, men. Hope this is encouraging. Um, hope this is something that can maybe spur something that God's been trying to tell you to do in your church <clears throat> or even in your home or even, you know, wherever it is that God's been asking you to do something and you've been kind of hesitant, you've been stepping back, maybe even starting a Bible study, maybe even starting a prayer study, or maybe even just having a prayer time with men. Do it. It's needed. It's part of discipleship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you bless it. I ask that you just use this podcast to impact men. I pray that the men that are listening be willing to share some of these. If there's something that I'm saying, Lord, that you know you're using me in this, you know, in these teachings that needs to hit certain men, I ask you encourage guys to share. Um, I don't, I don't expect, I don't expect anything other than I know that the Holy Spirit is moving. And I, I, especially this one, I think it's very vital to remember our past, to remember where our biblical understanding comes from, our Christianity heritage comes from, because Lord, you have been teaching through your Holy Spirit since Jesus left and you had your disciples and you had your apostles Speak and teach and tell these churches, Lord. And I just pray that we do not forget what they taught. 
that we do not forget our biblical foundation, that we do not forget to pray, that we not forget to continue to teach others so that they can see the difference between the lies and what is true. I pray for these men that you would just open their hearts and their minds to starting something, if they're being called, that you've been calling them to do, that they'd be open to say yes. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, have a great week, and I will see you next time. God bless.